Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 158 and this episode is with Dr. Warren Bradley. Warren is the founder of Hytro and anyone that hasn't heard of Hytro, Hytro are developing blood flow restriction products. So go and check them out. You can go and give Warren a follow at Warren underscore Hytro on Instagram and also search for Hytro, H-Y-T-R-O. So go and check out all their products. They're doing some great work in blood flow restriction. So this podcast, we got into Warren's background. We spoke about uh, blood flow restriction, what it is. We talked about um, the science behind how it works as well. And then we spoke about how it fits into a performance setting and some of the work that Hytro are doing in terms of the products that they have and how it works in the applied world with players or large squads as well. We talked about some of the common mistakes made from um, other other companies, other straps that are used. Um, And then we spoke about how it works in the team environment, whether it needs to be on a a one-on-one or small group basis or whether it can work within large groups as well. So we covered loads on this one. Quite a detailed but specific podcast all based around blood flow restriction. We only really touched the surface in terms of the science, but I think it was a really good introduction. And for me personally, someone that doesn't know too much about it, it was great to chat with Warren and get some um, details on how it actually works and who it can benefit. But when you see people... Um, some previous guests of the podcast, the likes of John Noon and Neil Parsley, using the Hytro products. Um, for me, that gives the, the backing and evidence that I need to, to know that this is something that's going to be around for a while and that can benefit athletes as well. So go and check them out. Search for Hytro, H-Y-T-R-O on Instagram. You can see some of their products and I know they've got some really cool things coming up as well. So big thank you to Warren for coming on the podcast. And just before we dive into the episode... I just wanted to give a very quick reminder of our two upcoming networking events in November. 4th of November, we're going to be at Leighton Orient Stadium and we've got a presentation around growth and maturation by David Johnson, West Ham United's David Johnson, who has previously been on the podcast as well. Um, And then on the 16th of November, we're going up to the northeast to St. James's Park, Newcastle. There's plenty going on at Newcastle at the moment, including a Football Fitness Federation networking event. I'm I'm delighted to say we've got Dawn Scott presenting for us and Dawn is going to present on the preparation that the US put into the 2019 World Cup and obviously they went on to win that tournament as well. So she's going to go into some details on how the team prepared um, for that tournament. So two great events coming up. Go and get your tickets. As this podcast goes out, they are both still at the early bird prices. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop, and you'll see both the uh, both events there. You can grab your ticket there. And remember, community members, football fitness community members, you get further discount on the event. So make sure you go to the network meeting uh, news on the new on the community and grab your code and use your discount code when you're purchasing your ticket. So I hope to see as many people there as possible and we'll get into the episode now, episode 158 with Dr. Warren Bradley. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 158 and I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today, Dr. Warren Bradley. How are you, Warren? I'm good, Ben. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Warren is, if anyone's watching on video, by the way, you will see the the smart attire that Warren has on, and we're going to go into that in a little bit. Um, but Warren is the founder of Hytro, and we're going to go into uh, what Hytro is and, and what these guys do, but doing some amazing work. We just had a little chat before we started recording. But Warren, let's start on you. Um, let's go into a little bit of, of your background first, mate. Sure, Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start. I did a, just over a decade in academia. So I did a PhD at LJMU and simultaneously I was working within professional sports. And at the very beginning, I was quite lucky to be afforded the opportunity to go work at Munster Rugby. That's when I first started my PhD back in, well, a long time ago, 2011 now, many, many years ago. <laughs> and oh, mate, it, time flies, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was over in Ireland for two years working with Munster Rugby, kind of learning my craft, learning my trade over there under Professor Graham Close, uh, head of nutrition there, and Bryce Kavanagh, who's now at the FA. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I spent two years there. I moved back to work for England Rugby and England Rugby Sevens. So my main vocation was Sevens. I headed up the nutrition department there and again, supervised by Dr. Graham Close, Professor Graham Close, should I say, at the senior level. So I spent six years at England Rugby, but I started picking up consultancy on the side of that. Uh, Leicester Tigers, Salford Red Devils, and then I moved into football. So I then transitioned into Derby County and Hull City and spent the remaining five seasons at those football clubs, straddled with um, England rugby as well. But as I said, I simultaneously did a PhD and that was in human physiology and performance nutrition. So it, it kind of it tied itself in very nicely, taking questions from the field, going into the labs, researching them and going back with an informed answer that can be applied practically in a real world setting. Because that's typically the, the kind of sticking point, isn't it? People read textbooks and try and apply it in their own way. But if you've done the research, it's a lot easier to extrapolate and, and apply your research in, in a real world setting. So yeah, it's a very brief, very brief background on uh, the academic and, and professional sports career to date. Real. And then we'll go um, into Hydro in a little bit and how that sort of came about and what sparked your interest. But um, for anyone that doesn't know, um, we're going to be talking about blood flow restriction. And um, it, I think it's really interesting because it's not something we spoke about on the podcast before. And I know there's there's quite a lot of information coming out about it, but even just for me, this podcast is going to be interesting just to get a bit more detail from, from yourself. So do you want to just start? Let's start really simple, really basic, and just talk us through what BFR is. Sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So blood flow restriction training um, has been around for 25, 30 years, and it's been around for a long, long time. It was originally called katsu training, and it's still called that in some settings. Um, really, if you look at the research on PubMed, for example, you can see just the exponential growth in research over the past 10 years, really. So there was research for the past 25, 30 years, but it's really growing at the moment. And you'll see there's several hundred papers being published year by year now. So it really is a growing field. And what's fantastic about it is it's, it's, not, it's not snake oil that works. The research is absolutely concrete. There's thousands of research papers here. So what it actually does is you restrict blood flow coming back out of the limb. So you allow arterial blood to go into the limb that's full of oxygen. And then with a strap in place, something like this, we'll demonstrate properly later, but that will restrict the blood flow coming back from the limb into the body. <clears throat> so what happens here is blood continues to flow in, especially when you add a little bit of low resistance exercise. The muscles are going to start to swell because that blood's getting stuck. And that's where the magic starts to happen. So you're creating a hypoxic environment. You're creating a lack of oxygen and swelling. And basically, the body gets really stressed and it starts to adapt to that stress. So obviously, you go to the gym, you stress the body, you adapt. It's exactly the same thing, but you're hacking your body to do it very, very quickly and very potently. Um, I think we'll save a bit of the science for the, for the further questions, but that's the basic premise of how blood flow restriction training works. It's causing a real significant stress, which causes adaptation in the body. Brilliant. And then what about your interest in BFR? Where did that come from? Sure. Yeah. So, gosh, I saw it first use at Munster, then I saw it at every single club I ever worked with. So there's seven or eight clubs there. And they use it for rehabilitation uh, pr primarily. I mean, there was one in 100 cases where they'd use it for hypertrophy of a, an, an academy lad or something like that. But realistically, it was used for a medical purpose. And it's because of its impressive ability to regenerate muscle tissue, structural tissues and bone after injury or surgery. It does it really quickly without having to load the joints. So it means that you can do it pretty much three or four days post-surgery and you can maintain muscle mass and strength <clears throat> or, or offset the losses that you normally see. So I saw that and I was like, that's really cool. Like, that's really interesting. What is happening at a physiological level? What, you know, what's happening in the cells? What's happening here? So obviously I'm a bit of a geek, I did a PhD. So I really looked into the research at the time of what was happening physiologically. Um, but it wasn't until probably... 2016 when I completed my PhD that I had real time to delve into the research properly so it was more top level before that but it just kept popping up it was in every single club I worked with and it was working very very effectively so once I then understood how blood flow restriction training worked in the muscle and physiologically I started asking questions because that's what you do as a researcher I said well hang on a sec this works incredibly well for hypertrophy why are we not using it in healthy athletes why are we only using it for rehabilitation yeah. And I asked the physios, I asked the strength and conditioning coaches, I asked the, the you know, head of medicine, why are we not using this for the healthy athletes? And it really boiled down to the tools that they had available to them. 
So factually, blood flow restriction training works for healthy athletes. It works incredibly well for hypertrophy. However, the tools available uh, up until Hytro have been very cumbersome and time-consuming. So if you've seen the, if you've seen the cuffs before, they're long bladders, long strips with Velcro on. You have to wrap it around the limb in the right position. That's very, very important for safety. It has to be the most proximal point of the limb, arm or the leg. And that's because you can cause ischemic nerve damage if it's over the muscle belly and you apply a very strong pressure. So it has to be above the muscle, arm and leg. So that takes a bit of time to get it wrapped around, get it in the right position. And then you need to plug in the wires, you need to pump it up, or you might have a, a machine that does it for you. You know, you might have a very expensive bit of equipment, five or six grand that does it all for you. But the problem basically was it's too time consuming and cumbersome. So it was only ever used one-on-one -on -one with an athlete. So I basically thought, well, we know it works incredibly well. We know the problem is basically utility. How do we make this device easier and more convenient to use? And to be honest, as soon as I came up with that question, it was really quick to answer. Mm. All, all we need really is something that's safe and that causes a strong, circumfer some strong circumferential pressure around the proximal part of the limb. So baking it into sportswear made sense to me at the time because we know that we can put it in exactly the right location because we've already stitched it in. We know we can use a correct width because we're, it's according to the scientific literature. And we, we just know it's a safe and effective means to do BFR very quickly. And if you'll permit me to demonstrate really quickly, yeah, it takes about 45 seconds to a minute to get someone set up with cuffs minimum. That's if you're very experienced. I'll show you this now. So start now. I know what setting I go to. And now I'm in. You can see the muscles already started to occlude. That took me two and a half seconds. So you can do both arms in five seconds or both legs. It's very, very quick. It's very, very easy to, to implement. And that's why we can now use it with groups of athletes simultaneously, as opposed to just one-on-one -on -one athletes. So what it does is it opens up the avenues for BFR. Now it's not just one-on-one. -on -one. We can use it for recovery. We can use it for group strength sessions. You, you know, the, the world's your oyster, essentially. And you mentioned there about the pressure and you knowing the pressure that you take it to. Because anyone, that, any, anyone that's listening, I would say go and watch this one on YouTube as well, because obviously you can see what Warren's talking about. But you talked about the pressure then. Um, and yeah. I know when you're talking about cuffs and things like that, that's why it's so time consuming, isn't it? Because you've got to get the pressure right and all the rest of it. But with that, it's so quick because you're obviously knowing where you're taking that strap to. How is that worked out? Is that the same for everyone? Like, how do we work out the, the right amount of pressure to be put in? It's a really good question. Um, a couple of answers, if, if you'll permit me again. So number one is you go to around a 70% subjective measure of tightness. So subjective is going to be different for everyone. Your 70 is going to be someone else's approximately 55, someone else's 85 because it's your subjectiveness. But what we know is in the literature that has been found to be both safe and effective. So we know it's subocclusive, which is point number one for safety. But we also know that BFR works from a range of like 30% through to full occlusion um, uh, in terms of pressure. So we know it works within that range. That's a huge range to operate within. So my question then to professional athletes and professional coaches is, if we know it works within that range, why do we necessarily have to go for a very, very specific pressure for that individual when it's going to take five minutes to set them up and you can only use it one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah. What about using it with every single athlete simultaneously and knowing that they're in an effective range? Yes, we don't know precisely what the pressure is, but we know it's safe and effective according to the literature. And now you can actually access these benefits. Mm. Like here's a really good example. So what we're using it for with a lot of our pro clubs now is recovery post game. And recovery is, is massive, obviously in sports. It's, it's, you know, it's one of the main pillars, isn't it? After a game, getting prepared for training, getting ready for the next match. Now as a nutritionist, sorted i know what i'm doing there i know what we're giving them protein in certain time periods carbohydrate reloading etc etc but with this it was inaccessible because you couldn't have 15 cups for a rugby team and a coach going around everyone setting them up to do it but we know it works for recovery mm. but now what we can do is we can get them all in a top or a pair of shorts and say right lads on the bus on the way home from an away game all of you need to strap in and do the three five minute protocol that's it simultaneously let's go so quick so simple so that gives you an indication of how easy it is to use as long as you're willing to work within this range of pressures as opposed to this really, really specific pressure. Now, there is one caveat to that, and that would be if you're a rehabilitating athlete and you're very early stage and you're worth 10 million quid, you throw the kitchen sink at it. Of course you do. You use Delphi medical system. You spend six grand on the equipment 
and you get this player, you know, very, very strategically back to where he needs to be mm. with particular pressures at each, at each time uh, point. But unless you're an injured athlete, there is no benefit to having a very, very specific pressure because it means you're never going to be able to use it. It means you're, you're very limited in its use. So why bother? Why not just go for something that's safe and effective and rapid to use? Because that's like everything we do, I suppose, isn't it? If we really dive into the literature on anything um, in terms of any sort of preparation, we'd probably be working within a sort of range of whether it's weight lifted, speed of a lift or whatever. So I, I get exactly what you're saying. To manage it within a group setting like that, or even individual, like to be within that range is much more um, practical, isn't it? That, I mean, it all boils down to practicality. I'm, I'm never going to sit here and say that this is more scientifically valid than a system that costs 10 grand and you can get really fine-tuned and they can manipulate it over that whole session. Mm. But when you're talking, you know, hundredth of the price for a hundred quid and you can do this practically anytime you want, wherever you wish, and you know it's going to work and you know it's safe, it's an absolute no-brainer. And that's why we're seeing a lot of traction in professional sports right now, um, specifically for recovery. But we are starting to engage with the endurance market and the kind of strength game market. But recovery has been a massive one for us at the moment in football and rugby especially. I wanted to go into that in a little bit just to get in terms of the protocols. But what I was going to ask as well, because you obviously got um, experience in rugby and football. You talked about rugby, the, a lot of clubs using it, even though they were using the straps and um, the sort of protocols with mm -hmm. the straps. When you went into football, is this something that was used? Did you see this being used in football? Yeah, absolutely. I guess the difference between rugby and football is typically money. So... Mm -hmm. In football, I saw them using the really expensive equipment, but they'd only have one in, in, yeah. on site. You only use it with one player, maybe two, depending on who the club is, of course. Um, in rugby, sometimes they did have the expensive equipment, um, but it was only used for rehab in both settings. But other clubs kind of just had really cheap straps off Amazon, and they can be very, very dangerous. And it's interesting that they use them. So while practical BFR, it's in the name, it's more practical, so the utilities improved. The straps that you get off Amazon or eBay, for example, the widths aren't considered, the materials aren't considered according to literature, and they can be very dangerous because, again, you still have to put them on in the right position. So if you ask a player to do it on his own and he puts it on the middle of his bicep and he starts doing bicep curls or press-ups, it's really tight, you're going to cause some issues there. So the whole point of this product was to make it so easy that you cannot do it wrong, that we know it works and we know it's safe. It's just it's an already-made tool ready to go off the shelf. You can give it to player, you know, you can give it to 10 players and tell them all to go off and do it themselves and there will be no problems. They will all get a benefit and you don't need to supervise them. So, yeah, sorry, the question was between rugby and football. Yeah, a, a little bit of a difference, mainly uh, to do with money, though, to be honest, and the amount of equipment they could afford. Yeah, I've seen some of them straps that are available online as well. <laughs> if you want to torture someone, maybe that's what you need to get, but maybe not for the BFR. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know what? Anything that you can occlude or partially occlude the veins with is going to work. That's yeah. the logical mechanism, but you need to factor in comfort, safety, well, safety first, sorry, safety, yeah, yeah. comfort, ease of use. And at the end of the day, they can cause damage. They can cause skin abrasions, bruising, cuts. Mm. Uh, you also don't know what the pressure is. So these at least is standardized with the numbering system. So yeah. we know that if you go to a number eight every time, then you go into a very, very similar pressure every time, whereas the straps are just... Who knows, left could be different to right. Yeah. And then problems occur when you're in between exercises as well, because you obviously have to do, um, you have to strap in throughout one exercise, but you have to unstrap after you've finished. Yeah. And then re-strap in for the next one. You know, where, where's that marker on your straps to know where to go back to? We have that. We've standardized it. Yeah, brilliant. And, and in terms of fitting this into um, the performance setting, so we spoke about hypertrophy, we spoke about rehab, but if we're talking to like SNC coaches, sports scientists, working with a squad of players, thinking about like how a week is structured in terms of the, the strength work that they're doing, where do you see it fitting? Like in terms of supplementary exercises, are we replacing any of them? And the main exercises, like where, where does this slot in with what players are doing? Just before Warren goes into detail on how hydro and blood flow restriction can fit into the applied setting, I wanted to just give a very quick update on our online community. So we've recently added eight brand new presentations onto the community from our past three events at Preston, Rotherham and at South Wales University. So they're all available now to watch back on demand on the community. Um, so if you're not a community member, 
you can go and get yourself a free month by going to footballfitfed.com, clicking the community tab and signing yourself up there. That'll give you one month free. After the free month, it's only £4.99 per month going forward. So go and check out those brand new uh, presentations that are available on there. We have also just launched our Members Monday. So every Monday, we are getting a topic or a question from one of our members. Um, and then we're opening up discussion with some of the members. And there's been some great discussions so far around uh, voluntary work, around sort of paid whether, whether how much we should get paid, when we should get paid, how much voluntary work we need to be doing, and also um, how to structure part-time programs as well. So we've had some great discussions so far, and we'll continue to bring up different topics every Monday with our community. So come and join in the, the discussions and check out the content available at the community by getting yourself a free month. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab, sign up there and get yourself a free month and check it out. Here is part two of the podcast with Dr. Warren Bradley. Yeah, sure. So blood flow restriction training should never be in place of a, of a standard strength training program. What it's used for is to supplement um, your adaptation process. So if you have someone in particular who needs to get stronger or more powerful or get bigger, you know, hypertrophy, this is an incredible way to add in a stimulus to the muscle without loading the joints and also without causing central nervous system fatigue. So what this means is you can actually do BFR, you could do it every day if you really wanted to as your body becomes accustomed to it because there's no residual fatigue. So this is really incredible for athletes in many different settings and one would be tapering into a game. So say you have an athlete who's really lacking in his endurance capacity or his power output and he just needs to you know, adapt throughout the in-season, which is typically a time when you maintain. Pre-season is when you cause your adaptation in-season Typically, you don't really, you know, you don't really touch it because you want to perform on the match day. Well, you can actually improve your performance throughout the in-season if you add in blood flow restriction training. So what it does is you've got your foundation of strength training, you've got your normal programming, and this comes in as a supplement to really keep accelerating your progressions throughout the season. Um, and because it doesn't cause that central nervous system fatigue as well, it's really good for load uh, joint compromised athletes or older athletes. So you could hypothetically use this in place of a training session in a scenario where the athlete can't necessarily load his joints to structures with a heavy squat, for example, or a heavy bench or a heavy overhead press. Um, and I've seen that a lot. I've seen BFI used a lot in the past, especially in rugby with athletes who are maybe 32 to 35 who do suffer from joint niggles. You know, they've had a whole career of taking smashes on the rugby pitch. And the shoulders are, you know, they've had two or three shoulder reconstructions or AC reconstructions. So you really need to look after their joints. And this is an incredible way to get intense training into that muscle to cause adaptation without necessarily having to load the joints. So you're still getting the adaptation, you're still getting the performance enhancement, but you're not causing them any undue loading. So in answer, you can do both. But I really want to caveat that again and state that this is not in place of a strength training program. This is just an incredible tool to augment your strength training program. Yeah, brilliant. And and the other thing on that, in terms of setup, with because um, this is where my knowledge is is pretty pretty poor on the subject. But I, I remember reading quite a while ago around sort of weights lifted when you're using BFR that you're working at a certain percentage of your one rep max. Is that is that similar to what you'd sort of recommend? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the USP of blood flow restriction training. You don't have to lift heavy at all, and you still get the effects as if you're lifting heavy. So maybe I'll go into a little bit of the science now, just so it gives yeah, you a bit definitely. of a happening. So, and I'll go through the protocols as well. <clears throat> so in terms of trying to increase hypertrophy or strength or power, what we want to be doing is we want to be strapping in to your subjective measure of 7 out of 10 or 70%. You want to then pick an exercise uh, and a weight that's around 20 to 30% one RM. That's it. You could even do body weight. So say it was a, a press, you could do a, a press up, a push up instead of a bench press because you're still lifting quite a lot, of a, a lot of weight through body weight. What we do then is we perform our first set under occluded stimulus for 30 repetitions and that's called a primer set. And what this is for is to allow the oxygenated blood to flow into the muscle for the muscles then, because they're lifting light weights, the slow twitch fibers to use that oxygen to create energy. So they take glucose, they take oxygen, the mitochondria creates ATP, right? What happens then is after the blood has become um, 
deoxygenated because it's been used for energy, what happens is the muscles start to get stressed because all that deoxygenated blood is stuck in the muscle. And the muscle starts to say, whoa, hang on a second. There's no oxygen in here. This is very stressful. It's hurting. There's lactate buildup. It's swelling. What on earth is going on? So what the muscle does is it, it recruits your fast twitch fibers to start performing, even though you're only lifting very, very light weights. Mm. So, you know, there's a continuum of slow to fast twitch and everything in between of, of when you recruit fibers. But what this does is it causes all of your fibers to be recruited simultaneously which is the only way you can possibly do this. There's no other training technique that allows this to happen. So it's actually hacking your body to make it work with all of your fibers recruited. Now we can go off on tangents on this and how this is beneficial in many other ways. But one important one is many people have heard of this mind muscle connection that typically powerlifters or bodybuilders have over, over a period of training for 10, 20 years. Well, this circumvents that. This allows you to recruit all of your muscle fibers without thinking about it because your body is forced into that. So what we've noticed is people who can't necessarily normally do a press-up can now do press-ups with BFR applied because the body is forcing the fibers into recruitment. So they find the first set actually easier than they've ever found doing press-ups before, despite being blood flow restricted. Then after the 30 reps, we get into the difficult zone. And this is where it's not easy for anyone. Yeah. So after primer set of 30 repetitions we've got your body or your limbs into a hypoxic state so now they're they're stressed they're in, they're in a really stressful state you take 30 seconds rest and then you perform three sets of 15 repetitions and that is it for that exercise that's all you need to do and what you'll find is you shouldn't be able to complete the last set you should get to volitional failure around 10 reps or something if you do complete it you need to add a little bit more weight or strap in a bit tighter because yeah. what's important isn't the loading. What's important here is taking the muscles to volitional fatigue. It's really just squeezing everything we can out of them. But incredibly, it's done without loading them. So you're doing a very light weight. So what's happening basically is we're getting an intense stress in the muscle, which causes a potent adaptation. But we're not causing any loading issues and we're not causing any central nervous system fatigue. And that's why it's so incredible at hypertrophying people. So that would be one exercise. Um, if you wanted to say finish off a session you might pick two so say you've done an upper body push session for, for argument's sake you might want to do some press-ups and you might want to do some bicep curls or some dips or something there's your two exercises and in between the exercises you unstrap and take two minutes rest to allow the blood to redistribute around the body to get them hormones flooding back around the body systemically and then you go again and finish it off mm. if you were doing a standalone session so if you were doing this independently of a strength session you could do maybe four exercises, but what's important is you only do one exercise per body part. There's no, um, there's no benefit. There's no additional benefit to doing, for example, a hammer curl and a bicep curl. Mm. Cause as I mentioned, or you've recruited all of your muscle fibers. So it doesn't actually require you to do any more work on the biceps. So once you've done your bicep, done your tricep, done your delts and your chest, you've done it all basically yeah. and you lap. So it only takes five minutes per exercise and you've completely fried that muscle. Yeah, I was going to ask as well, and I'm sure this will be the case, but when you talked about the sort of three sets of 15 after that initial yep. primer set, are you talking about the same loading, aren't you, for those sets as the, as the sure. primer? Yes, yeah. So it's, it's continuous throughout. The only thing that changes the reps. Um, yeah. And it's a really unusual feeling, and I implore everyone to try it because the first 30 are quite easy because it's a really lightweight. But then getting to the end, obviously, starting to swell. Then the next three sets are really, really difficult. And it's almost a disconnect in your head because you, you could be curling four kilo dumbbells and you're like, I should be able to do 500 reps to these nonstop. And all mm. of a sudden it's a brick wall. And that's because of the physiological stress that's causing the muscle. And that's why it's so impressive. I think with this as well, what stands out for me is that the sort of battle we face in football in particular a lot of the time is a lot of players. And I've spoke to numerous people about this on the podcast is the sort of, um, scarcity of players lifting heavy and being wary. And, and I know it's changing. The, the, the culture is changing that players are buying into it a little bit more, but we've still got that large group of players that are bothered about lifting heavy. So that's where this can fit in, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. With, with players like that, and especially in a sport like football where we haven't necessarily got the culture of other sports like rugby in terms of our lifting. Yeah. Um, I don't know what your your experiences are with that. Have you come across that in football where it's maybe been not necessarily easier sell, but in a way, yeah, like to players that are a bit more wary? 
Yeah, definitely. And cultures are different in every single club. And that's one thing, obviously, as a practitioner, you'll know one club to the next in the same league can be completely different. And that's dependent on the coaches, the manager, the SNC coach, the, the, the environment they've created. Now, I was lucky enough to work in a couple of clubs in football where the SNC coaches were really on form and they were training like a rugby club almost. And what, what they managed to do is get the buy-in from the players such that instead of it instead of it being 15, 20% of the lads coming in lifting heavy, there was probably 75% of the lads buying into the sessions and coming in. So in that regard, if you can find a club like that, they'll the majority of them will buy into this type of training technique as well on top of that. However, the unique benefit for BFR is, as you say, for the lads who don't want to lift heavy and want to get in and out and get the session done, this is a really unique tool that allows you to create that adaptation in a very short space of time and not have to be in the gym for an hour. You can do it in 15, 20 minutes. So, mm. But yeah, it, the, it's really dependent on the culture, isn't it? It's just so different everywhere you go. Yeah, 100%. That just stands out to me when you're talking about it because um, it's something that we talk about as a battle all the time and then putting something like this in place just sort of takes that away um i know you spoke before about some of the mistakes that have been made um or that are being made with other bits of kit in terms of the pressure where you put in the the cuff and all the rest of it if clubs are thinking about this or practitioners are thinking about this like right we can we can run it with our players um what other potential areas that we need to be wary of if they are going i'm talking about if they're going to be using the hydro products not just straps off amazon (laughs) <laughs> sure i mean safety is obviously numero uno for blood flow restriction training it has to be subocclusive and it has to be in the right position that's really important so just fyi on the podcast we've we've just completed a research study sorry we haven't completed it, it was an independent it was queen mary's university of london and pure sports medicine using the hydro garments mm. and we found it to be um subocclusive and in 99.9 percent of cases we got readings off a pulse oximeter and we found 2,400 readings were subocclusive. The ones that weren't was because the pulse ox failed and it was nothing to do with the occlusive stimulus, but basically proven to be subocclusive, which is really important because you don't want to occlude the artery. That's what you do for surgery. You completely occlude the artery so you stop blood flow entirely. Well, we want to achieve blood flowing in, but the restriction of the venous return, basically. And that's really important to create this adaptation because if you occlude the whole thing, that doesn't happen. So we know that this is subocclusive. We know that the strap's in the right position because we've ensured that. So every single time you use it, it's in the right place. We know that the strap widths, are, according to the scientific literature, are the most effective and safest uh, widths you can have. Now, a comparison here is when you talk about the bladders that you pump up, the cuffs that you pump up, they're rounded when they pump. So the edge of them is like that. And obviously yeah. when that's pressed in, it's not, it's not flat. So if you have a four-inch cuff, it's not four inches that's touching you, surface area. It's more like an inch or less. So in reality, when research says we used a four-inch cuff, that's not, that's not entirely true because the pressure applied is actually a very small area. Yeah. Because with these straps, we've ensured that the whole surface area is applying pressure evenly across the muscle. So that's another safety feature. Another safety feature, as you probably saw before, once it's on, you can flick it off if you want. So... Yeah. That's really important because if you, if Touchwood ever had a problem, um, any kind of venous thrombosis or something with the player, this is something you can flick off immediately. Now, of course, you will have done your due diligence, you've done your health check, you've done your consent forms, you'll have done all of that. But in the rare event that that does happen, with a cuff, you've got to, I don't know, you've got to get the pressure out first out the cuff and then unstrap it. It's just unsafe. With this, it's rapid to, to deploy and take off. Um yeah, so, so there's a few of the pitfalls of the current tools, really. The one pitfall of this that I would say is obviously the fact that you can't have very specific standardized, um, very specific individualized pressures, but that's also one of its benefits and its pros. Yeah. It, as I or it's just in some people's views for doing rehab, they would want that particular pressure available. Fine, that's one, that's one tiny negative with 50 positives, you know, that mm. come with the practication of hydro. Yeah. No, that's brilliant. And I just remembered then, I was going to ask as well about the, um, you mentioned briefly about the recovery protocols for yep. um, players like after games and things like that. So did you mention like, it was it a three three minute or five minutes, something like that? Yes, it's a little bit different. So instead of going to seven out of 10 or 70% subjective measure of tightness, we go around 90. And the reason for this is because it's independent of exercise. So we're not actually moving. 
which means you need to cause a stronger circumferential pressure to just create a, a bit more of a stronger adaptation in the muscle. So for this, yeah, you go a bit tighter. So I'll go all the way around for this. So that now is, is locked in. That'll start to go red and blotchy quite soon. I'd obviously do both arms or both legs. Um, and what's happening here is instead of the contractions and making the fast twitch fibers become recruited, this is purely hormonal. So this is just causing swelling, stress, muscle protein synthesis, upregulation, and growth hormone secretions from the brain are massively, massively increased as well because of the stress. But then the really cool thing is when you remove it after your first five minute round, so it's three by five minutes. Okay. What happens is the hormones that you've created in that limb flood the entire body because obviously the blood flow is redistributed. So that's called a systemic effect. And so all of that MPS, all of them uh, growth hormones that you produce are going to flood the entire system. So even if you had micro traumas in your ACL, for example, and you strapped in your arms, because the blood is now flowing around the body, you're actually going to bathe that joint in all these nutrient-rich uh, muscle growth hormones, essentially, and recovery hormones. The other really cool thing for the recovery element is it's called reperfusion, which is basically the difference in pressure between the limb and the body when you remove the strap causes it to flush. So it's a really quick flush of the blood back past the joints. So in the upper body, that'll be your wrist, elbow, and shoulder. In the lower body, it'd be hip, knee, and ankle. And what it does is it removes waste materials and inflammation. So there's no other tool that can, that can achieve this. There's no other tool that can cause this, this significant reperfusion, which is where we're dragging waste materials from the joints. And normally, physiologically in the body, it takes around 72 hours, roughly, obviously different for everyone, but to remove them waste materials. So after a football game or a rugby match, when you've got all these micro traumas, all this inflammation, cartilage chips, bone chips, you know, the micro, you need, you need to look under a microscope to see them or an MRI, but they are there. They are evident. It removes them immediately at source, gets taken up by the body and excreted. That takes days normally. It does it immediately with BFR. So what you have is a double-pronged approach. You have the hormonal upregulation that affects the whole body, and you also have the reperfusion. And what we've also seen in the research is um, that one, one round of five minutes will be very, very effective. Two rounds of five minutes is even more effective, and three rounds is most effective. Above and beyond that, there's no additional significant effect. So we recommend doing three rounds of five minutes with two minutes unstrapped in between each round. However you will get a very significant effect from just one round. So if you're time pressed, if you logistically, you don't have time for 15 minutes to do it, which I would argue everyone does, then you could just do one round and get a very, very significant effect. And the, uh, the final caveat to this is the shorts are probably going to give you a stronger recovery adaptation than the upper body purely because of the muscle bulk. So obviously if you're causing an inclusive stimulus in the leg, which is you know several inches larger than the upper, than the arms, then you're going to get a stronger hormonal upregulation. Therefore, when you remove the straps and it floods the entire body, you're getting a stronger hypertrophic or recovery response essentially. But the upper body works fantastically well, and we've already seen data from professional football and rugby clubs using the upper body garments for recovery. They're fresher the next day. Their jump heights are improved the next day, comparatively to control. Their sprint times have improved. This, this is this is the legs improving from an upper body recovery modality. It's really mm. quite incredible. Um, but the big tell you what, the biggest bang for buck really in sports that we're seeing at the moment, and we're seeing more of it, is the buy-in. Because it's so obvious when you do this that, that it's doing something. It's not like taking a fish oil where the science is there. Yeah. But I don't I don't feel it. I don't know what's happening. With BFR, your arms or legs are blowing up, your veins are coming out, it's it's uncomfortable. When you remove the strap, you feel great because there's this dopamine response. So you actually feel fresher. Your brain feels a bit less cloudy. You can. It, it, I heard a player say you can see better. It's, it's really, it's quite incredible how it affects you with the hormones. Mm. So you feel this. You know it's working acutely on the spot. And then the next day, you also still feel the residual effects of the recovery. So what we're finding is players are buying into it and doing it autonomously in the clubs we work with. And for the coaches, you can imagine getting a player to do something autonomously is massive. Like what other things can we say that they do autonomously? Mm. They don't even eat the food in some of the clubs. You know, I'll be working, <laughs> putting out some lovely food. Fuck that. I'm going to go for a pizza afterwards. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not trying to force you to do anything, but there's a reason there's a, a rainbow of fruits and vegetables. There's a reason for different types of proteins. No, nah, don't care. Whereas with this, because they feel it and see it 
it's it's hard to argue for them. They feel better, so why wouldn't they do it? If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And, and with um, the practicality of of like applying it, what are we talking in terms of a time scale? So we finish playing back in the change rooms. Are you talking about there and then we we get into the shorts, the top, and we're, we're working through those protocols then, or is it on the bus? Is it well, like what sort of time scale are we talking at? So that's the really cool thing about this is it's down to your logistical practical practical availability really. So do you have time after a game to do it in the changing rooms? You, you definitely do, but some some clubs may argue they don't because they've got so many things to get through, like media appearances, whatever. But yeah. if you spend 15 minutes in the changing rooms, you have time to do this. And you can do this while you're doing other things. You know, you can have your protein shake, you can have a chat, you can debrief, you can go through your tactics afterwards. You can do all that at the same time as doing this. This is passive. This is separate to anything else you're doing just strap in and make sure you're timing it that's all yeah now the potency is obviously going to be like most things better the earlier you do it but of course if you're still damaged two days later you're going to get a significant effect from this so you say you've still got muscle tears and you need an increase in muscle protein synthesis to help rejuvenate that this will give you that so it's going to work at any time point but obviously it's more potent the earlier you do it and obviously, the more frequently you do it. So if you did it once after game, then once day, um, game day plus one, that's going to be way more effective than just one of those sessions, if that makes sense. But really, it boils down to logistics. When is it practically okay for you to do it? And what we've seen with um, some of the clubs is it's on the coach on the way home after an away game. Yeah. Because they've had time to, you know, digest, you know, what's happened, have a chat, chilled out a bit. They've put the shorts on before they've left because they're under shorts. And they'll sit on the bus and they'll just strap in at any point they wish autonomously because they've been instructed to do so. And that works for the coaches because they know they're getting a recovery stimulus into the player, but there's no pressure. It's on their time frame. They can do it when, as long as they've done it on that bus journey, fine. Uh, and they can do it while having a game of cards or you know, having a protein shake. It's really not difficult to do. No. But whenever's easiest. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. Like, there's sort of, you're taking out any any other external things that might crop up, aren't you, if it's in the changing room, but on the bus and, t- and places like that, like you say, there's no excuse. It's the time, it's dead time really, isn't it, that you can be doing these sorts of things. That, even at home, you know, when you get home, like just if, if you prescribe them to the guys and, and take them home, like a couple of clubs have, then they can do it on their own on their own back because you don't need to be supervised. That's the cool thing about this. With the cuffs, yeah. you do. You need to supervise them, but with this, you don't. So it means they can watch a film with the missus when they get home. And just strap in for five minutes. You know, it's, it's really that simple. Yeah, perfect. And what about Hydro Warren? So we've mentioned, obviously, we talked about the product a little bit, but also it'd be good to discuss um, the, the products that you've got available, but also the company. So where, where did the company come from? Oh, that's, uh, I'll try to condense the story. I know, sorry. Um, <laughs> it's probably yeah. a full-hour podcast. <laughs> Great. I always, I always like chatting. So... Initially, I came up with the concepts, I think it was in 2017. Um, as I said, just finished my PhD, came up with the concept of integrating it in sportswear to make it easy for people to use. I applied for a patent in 2018. The thing is, I'm, I'm, I am now a businessman, but I was not a businessman a few years ago. And I mean, I say I'm a businessman. I'm learning every single day from my co-founders. You know, I'm, I'm learning a lot. But back then, I had no clue how to start a company. I was saying to my brother, let's go 50-50 on this. I've got a great idea. You know, lo and behold, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, so I'd actually started working for a company in London called Goalmaster Fitness, which is a health and lifestyle business for busy professionals in the city, you know, kind of um, directors of blue chip companies, lawyers, etc. So I was a head of nutrition for that company and I met two guys, two founders, uh, Paul and Raj, who worked with, who owned Goalmaster Fitness. So they employed me as a head of nutrition Worked with them for a couple of months and we got a really good working relationship. Um, they were very into the sports as well, obviously. So I just thought, you know what, screw it. I'm going to pitch them this idea. They're very well connected in the city of London. They know what they're doing. I've got this great idea. I've got a patent pending. You know, they might like it. And genuinely, after the first conversation, it just really snowballed. And it's turned out that now, you know, myself and Raj are full-time in the business. Raj is our CEO. We've been doing this for just over two years now. Uh, Paul's our chairman. And yeah, we, we've, we've built the back end, the foundations of the business over the past two and a half years. And we only launched about a year ago, well, less in December, 2020, 
but there was just so much to do in the background, like just setting up the foundations in terms of the website, just the marketing strategies, the, the product itself getting manufactured over in Portugal. All of that took a long time. And one of the longest things actually was, was actually creating this mechanism because it looks really simple, but the amount of hours and, and weeks and months that have spent gone into this with PhDs and textiles over in Portugal, we spent a lot of time refining this product so that it looks simple, but it works incredibly, incredibly well. Yeah. And that's one of the perceptions of people. They look at it and say, it's just a t-shirt. If you understood the science that went into this sleeve or into the, the top of the shorts, it, it'd blow your mind. You know, we mm. spent a lot. So that was all the build-up for the company. And we actually came to fruition in December last year where we, where we launched. Um, and what's really kind of tipping us over the edge now is the launch of the shorts that's coming very soon, consumer-wise. So professional sports from the very beginning have said, love the tops, they're great, but shorts are what we want. Of course, we're talking to rugby and football athletes here, typically. Yeah. Um, and since they've become available for pre-order, they've just flown off the shelves because that was clearly what they were after because that's where you use BFR typically in sports at the moment. But what we're trying to do is change that landscape and try to say, well, you can improve any muscle in the body, any kind of a performance marker. You know, you can improve your VO2 max, your endurance capacity, go through to your bone mineral density. There's all sorts of crazy things that you can improve with BFR. And now you have unique tools that allow you to do that. But what we're seeing is sports going to take a while to catch up because of the, the programming. We've got to make sure it fits into the logistics of what they're doing during that week. But we have a lot of really incredible uh, kind of thought leaders uh, that, are, that are helping with Hytro. Jordan Milson from Rangers, Matt Busby at Hull. You know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of really cool people that we're working with that are helping us integrate Hytro and BFR into their clubs so that other clubs look at that and say, what are they doing? How are they achieving? How are they achieving recovery um, data that they're achieving? How are they improving performance? How, you know, what are they doing? What's this product they've got? And if you have thought leaders using it, as you've said before, John Noonan is an example. It really gives you that credibility and it then starts to snowball and escalate. Yeah, these are people that like you trust in the industry as well. And it, especially when John um, put up about it, I think Neil Parsley as well. Um, yeah. might have might have posted about Hytro as well. And that, that captures attention because these are people that, that they know bullshit when they see it um, being at the top yeah. of the game. So yeah, it just proves to me that um, there's, this is definitely something that's going to be about going forward. Well, in terms of the products and where to get them, Warren, if people are now thinking like, how do I inquire, like whether it's personally, whether it's for a team, um, where would you direct them? What is there any links or anything that you, where you send them to? I can obviously post them in the show notes as well. Sure. I mean, in terms of professional clubs, I, I deal with the elite sports side of the company, so it's probably best to get onto my email or, or phone, which obviously you can. I don't know if it's a good idea handing out phone. We'll give out an email. <laughs> the email's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, out after. But I mean, as a consumer, just the website and Instagram, of course, but. If someone's in a pro sport setting and the look of the website, it does appear consumer because because it is it's consumer driven. In terms of the pro sport stuff, that's when we need to speak individually because I have all the resources you need uh, to speak about in terms of safety guides and you know anything that you would require to make this work in your club. But the consumer website may not necessarily be where you want to be looking at. Essentially, in terms of you might think ah, this is a consumer product, it's not. We just mm. need to speak independently. So my email. Uh, but also, I, I would suggest having a look at the website because it gives you a good bit of information and a bit of background on the company as well. And that will be hytro.com. Uh, and I'll give you the email after this. Yeah, perfect. And what about sort of social media? Um, what are you guys on? Uh, are you on, you're on Instagram, but are you on Twitter as well? Yeah. We are on Twitter. We haven't really ramped up the usage of that yet. Um, we will be. We will be. But we're really concentrating hard on the Instagram at the moment for the consumer side. Uh, and that will be at Hytro underscore, but it'll come up at Hytro anyway. Yeah, so if you check out that, there's um, we've got quite a few kind of professional rugby players, ambassadors involved as well. So take a look at that. Uh, the Twitter handle, I think it's at Hytro Training, I believe. Okay. But again, not a huge volume of stuff on there at the moment. Perfect. Well, I'll post all that in the show notes. If anyone um, needs the links, you can go and check the show notes out. Um but Warren, this has been top. I know we've only really touched on the, the very tip of the iceberg with, with some of the, the information yeah. on BFR, but I think it was perfect in terms of an initial podcast to um, look into it. And even for selfishly for myself, it was great to speak to you and get some more information on, 
on what you guys are doing in the products. Um, so thank you very much for coming on. No, mate, it's been awesome. It's always good to chat. And I've, I've just realised I brought these to show as well, show and tell. So oh, these perfect. Are the short, um, so these, yeah, they're, they're incredible. Uh, I mean, I've got skinny legs, but what I've found is my squat, when I've not gone to the gym for a couple of weeks, for whatever reason, I'm in the factory in Portugal or I'm travelling with work, I've used them and I've done split squats, you know, just five minutes, that's it, three yeah. times a week come back and my squats got better. It's, it's really quite incredible. So we're seeing power increases, strength increases without necessarily going to the gym because of the potent physiological adaptation. So yeah, these are really cool. So keep an eye out. Mid-November, they'll be dropping. Brilliant. Warren, thank you very much, mate. That was quality. Um, and keep up the amazing work. You guys are doing some top stuff. Thank you very much, Ben. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me on. Big thank you to Warren for coming on and discussing everything that we've touched on in terms of blood flow restriction. It was great to get the information from him. And I know uh, we, we spoke when we stopped recording. We've literally just scraped the surface on some of the stuff that these guys are doing. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Go and give Warren a follow over on Instagram at Warren underscore Hytro. And you can search Hytro as well to see exactly what is going on with the company and the products that they provide. Um, there's some really exciting stuff around this, I think. And in terms of uh, football catching up with other sports, I know he said it was used in rugby, um, but I think more more teams and players are going to sort of catch on. Uh, and as the education spreads around BFR, um, it sounds like there's going to be more players and teams using this as well. So it's great. It'll be great for you guys to sort of listen to this. Also reach out to Warren if you've got any extra questions on anything around BFR. He spoke about um, some really interesting stuff. I think the recovery side of BFR is really interesting. The fact that they can sort of strap themselves in on, on the team bus on the way back from games. Um, and it certainly makes it very accessible for players um, and also large groups as well. Because that was one thing we wanted to try and get across. That this doesn't have to be used on, on a one-to-one basis or small group. It can be used to, across a squad as well. Um, so the, the, I think the recovery side of things is really interesting. I know in a rehab setting, I think way back to the episode with Tony Tompos when we spoke about ACL, the ACL protocol that he used um, and he went into detail on his episode. He touched on some of the BFR stuff that he'd done, but that was in a rehab setting. And obviously Warren's talked about it just in the performance setting and uh, for hypertrophy, but also how it works as a, as a supplementary um as a supplementary method alongside all your main lifts and all your strength and power work that you're doing as well. So I think there's loads of really interesting stuff around BFR and I'd be really interested to see, hear people's thoughts and also see people's thoughts over on social media as well. So if you listen to the episode and um, you've got some thoughts after it, please share it, but also give us a little bit of feedback on it. Maybe things that you took away from the podcast, but also your experiences of using BFR It'll be interesting to see where it's used within football and uh, some, of the listeners in, some of the listeners even experience on using it as well. And I'm sure Warren would appreciate that too. So big thank you again for listening to the podcast and thank you to Warren for coming on and freeing up some time to come on the podcast. If you've got any other questions, I'm sure he'll be all ears. So just reach out to him um, and we'll speak to you again next week in episode 159.